Good day everyone, I am Matt Harrison and you are listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Geary's out there. Last week we talked about the famous El Camino, the famous pilgrimage route that goes through Ponferrada to Santiago. We talked about the walk, but Malaga failed to truly walk the walk in Ponferrada last week with a 1-1 draw away to Ponferradina. We have much to ponder post-Ponfa. We'll also look ahead to our game at La Rosaleda v Laganes this weekend, and I think we can expect some cucumber puns in that section. But as always, we're going to start with the news and by introducing my co-host. So, as always, I'm joined by Chris Marquez. Chris, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, mate. How are you? Very good. Um, I'm sure you're particularly happy being a Spaniard, living in Holland, and after last night's Spain result, beating your neighbours 6-0. Yeah, awesome result. And how is Holland Holland today? How is Holland today? Holland is uh, pretty quiet. It has been good weather. That's uh, that's new. So I I paid a visit to the beach. Okay, cool. I, I was sort of thinking, were, were they like celebrating the Germany lost six nil? But I'm glad that, glad it's okay there as well. Um, Spain is very happy this morning with the result. I I, I, I don't really think they really uh, celebrated it in Holland. All right, okay. I saw you put something on Facebook. That's all that that made me think they might have been celebrating. But it doesn't matter. Um, speaking of. Magical performances. We're going to go to Hogwarts now, and with our other co-host Alex Ashmore. Alex, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, yes, again in the dark at six six thirty in the evening. So yeah, I'm managing. I'm doing very well, thank you. So as I said, we're going to start with this week's news, and let's get all the Altani stuff out of the way. Early doors. He was the big news story um, on at the start of the week. Chris, what is happening with Malaga, Altani, and court and assets and all of that? Um, his assets got uh, seized. Is that the right right term? Yeah, yeah, I seized. Think it is. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, they got seized. So um, they are not in his possession at this moment. Um, it doesn't mean. He lost them already because he had three to five days uh, to appeal. Um, so he probably will appeal, and it isn't. It, it doesn't really mean. I think he he lost his, his assets already. Yeah, it seems like um, he had a lot of more. I remember when we last spoke about him having assets taken away from him, Chris, on an old podcast. It seemed to be luxury vehicles, and that seems to be the same thing again from what I gather. He's had a Mini taken off him, a Ducati and two Mercedes. But um, I, th- I think he, he carried on with the loan and his property in Qatar as, um, you know, as a, what do you call it, a deposit, and that was turned down again, am I right in saying? Yes, you're uh, pretty right. Um, it got turned uh, or waved away by the judge, um, and so the judge decided to um, seize his assets, including the uh, shares he has for Malaga. There you go, and I, I think it does it is it assets worth about eight and a half million. I've got written down here, which is 
a lot of money or is that how much they need to seize of his or is that how much they've already seized? I really don't know because what they say is that they seized his um, his shares of Malaga as well. So okay. I'm not sure if that's 8.8 million, yes, 8.5 million euros. I think that should be more. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, that well, that's that's why I asked the question. It was, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we. Do you know what we need on this podcast? We need to maybe get someone from the Financial Times on or something because we're always talking about things like this. And as I've said before, I do, I do have an A level in economics, and uh, this is far beyond me trying to understand Malaga. Because we're also talking about the Spanish legal system. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I don't even know much about the Dutch one. So. <laughs> yeah, well, if anybody that's interested in Segunda football, the Spanish legal system and, you know, Spanish business law, you know, get in touch and you can work behind the scenes and make us sound more informed than, than we are. But yeah, we'll we'll get away from Altani because, you know, we, we try to not talk about him too much. But we, basically, there, there's the headline. We've given you the headline. Uh, feel free to do your own digging. Uh, speaking of people in charge, Javier Tebas, the president of La Liga, who I'm not particularly a big fan of, but he's done some good things this past year, I think. But he's been saying nice things about Malaga, Alex, hasn't he? Yeah, so he... Obviously, at the beginning of the season, we all know there was a difficulty with Malaga's salary limit and whether we would be able to fit all of the players into the squad with the amount of money they were earning. And according, well, to to align with the rules, we've had to drop our salaries by quite a lot. And I believe out of the top two divisions, we are the lowest in terms of salary cap. So be congratulated on, our, on doing our job without complaining. Yeah, that that's the bit I thought was quite nice of him, where he said that um, Malaga... They've not made any excuses. They've just sort of got on with it. Um, he said we had a double problem because obviously we don't have income coming in and we've had to deal with COVID. And actually, when he said about the lack of excuses part, that's the first time I'd really thought about it, that um, the administrator and Gaspar, they've both sort of said, oh, look, obviously we have a problem at Malaga. But they've sort of left it at that, haven't they? They've never gone on and sort of gone, it's a stupid problem, I can't believe this has happened. They've been, you know, really humble about it all. And I think it was nice for that to be recognised. Uh, Chris, did, did you see what the highest salary in the league was? Um, I thought it was Espanol, right? Yes, you are correct. Do you, do you want to know the difference between ours and Espanol? Was it 41? You're close. Espanyol is 45.3 million. And as Alex said, Malaga is 3.6, which is the lowest. Uh, I wrote this one down, Chris, because I know you always say Alcocona, uh, a team that, you know, a nothing team. They're not big. Theirs is 5.2 at the moment. So we're, we're less than Alcocona. We're, 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 a small of <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that. Actually, I'm not going to go into Alcocorn chat um, before Chris criticizes them again. Um, the academy's being built, though, Chris. That's good news, isn't it? It's great news. Um, can you say the name again? I know it, but I wanted you uh, to say it. Arai Hanal. Yeah. Ar- 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 no, it'd be Ararai Hanal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I only understand the four last letters. Okay. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Very, very uh, nice childish humor, though. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, That's the name. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, if anyone doesn't know where it is, uh, we can explain you. It's uh, next to Plaza Mayor and uh, next to uh, the airport of Malaga. Of Malaga. And it's uh, next to the beach. Mm. So you have this whole green green thing when you drive, uh, let's say, from Bena Marina to Torre Molina, from Torre Molinos to Malaga. You drive, um, you come on your right hand, mm. you have the sea and a big, yeah. It's just it's an like open area, big, isn't it? It's an open yeah, area green, with green, a rusting thing. With like a rusting it's stand a, and stuff. Yeah, and then and there it is, and uh, yeah, go out and check it out. And uh, if you're handy, then uh, maybe you can help <laughs> building it. Um, a question I was had about this is: um, Do we know where the money's coming from? Has this all money been put aside beforehand, or is this part of that? Because I believe we, I think we asked for a loan quite recently, but I think that might have been for. Um, you know, running costs of the club. Do, do we know where the money's come from, or has it just always been there? I, th I think it's money that that uh, has been there, and it was only for this project. Okay. Uh, what important is to add is that um, uh, Malaga wanted four um, uh, pitches, but um, they are building only two now. Okay. So maybe in the future the other two will be added. But uh, the plan was to uh, real grass mm -hmm. pitches and two fake ones. And they're only building now two fake ones. How do you call that in English? The fake um, we'd probably call it... Ash synthetic. Yeah, synthetic. I think... I, I always just call it Astro. Yeah, Astro. But then... Is it is it allowed in England as a as a famous as a professional football team to play on, uh, on nope. synthetic uh, grass? No, they got rid of it no? um, in the nineties. I think there's a famous team that played on synthetic, and it's really annoying me now because as soon as you ask the question, I can picture the ground. I just can't picture the team. But no, there was um, there's a couple of teams. Like for example, not a couple of Christmases ago, I went to watch. Sutton play on Boxing Day actually when I was down south and they play on a plastic pitch and they were doing really well in the conference which obviously leads into the football league and they were saying well if we win it we can't go up because we have a plastic pitch and but they were sort of saying we're a community club we don't want to go up anyway so we'll just win the league and happily stay here that seemed to be my understanding of it and um, forgive me if I've got that wrong any Sutton fans listening, but yeah, you're not allowed it in professional football in Britain. So that's the top four leagues, basically. So I, uh, that's why I love English football. Probably we had it in Holland up to two years ago, I think, or last year. Uh, they changed the rules, and synthetic uh, grass wasn't allowed anymore. And I think it's great because uh, the synthetic grass is awful, and. Um, I think almost 90% of the Dutch football teams were playing with it, and it's just awful. Uh, but Malaga will get two synthetic grass uh, pitches, and uh, the, <laughs> the real grass ones, uh, 
yeah, probably will come in the, in the future. But it's it's good that we have something at least. Yeah, excellent. And and speaking of uh, interesting grounds, although I suppose we we're talking about pitches, not grounds there. But anyway, a ground does have a pitch, and I have fallen in love with the ground of our Copa del Rey opponents next month, Caruxo. Um, Alex, do, do you want to tell me a little bit about Caruxo apart from how amazing their ground is? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, do do go up and look that up online. It's a wonderful, picturesque ground, and yeah, so one thousand five hundred capacity ground. Uh, Michel Alonso is their manager. He's been in charge since the first of July last year, two thousand nineteen. They were founded in nineteen thirty. Uh, one of their former players was a former Tour de France winner, Oscar Pereiro, who played for their reserves, and their well, their most their first promotion to Segunda B uh, in, in Spanish football was on my 10th birthday, so June the 19th, 2010, was a 3-1 win over La Roda. And another one of their former players, a Brazilian, Addison Alves, is now the assistant coach at Bali United in Indonesia. Wow. That, that, I, that, I think of all you've just given me there, the, the Tour de France thing, that's amazing. That's really cool. Um, do you know who plays for them at the moment, though? I don't know their squad too well, no. No, Chris, do you, it's not a player I'm expecting to know, but you'll definitely know his cousin. Benzema. Nope. They have a player. Is it Crespo? <laughs> no. What, what, you go, no. Think more local. So One just, of their players is called Crespo. Okay, so just for those listening, just because we haven't addressed this yet, Caruxo is in Vigo, which is obviously in the very north. Um, they're actually in the same league as Deportivo, I think, as well. I think they played Deportivo this week, I read. But... Playing for them is a guy called Aitor Aspas, the cousin of Iago Aspas. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I read today, anyway. Oh, Barry Aspas. Yeah. Barry that's, Aspas, that's, yeah. To be honest, it's pretty logic because uh, I think Aspas is from uh, from the same area oh. as well. Isn't he? Yeah, Iago Aspas is like the most proud sort of Galician Vigo person around. He's a proper sort of chest beating Celta Vigo fan isn't he so yeah it does make sense that if this club are from Vigo there's I'm sure there's probably quite a lot of people at that club who know Yago Aspas personally um I was gonna say and it's I I can't you know it seems a long time ago now but this new Copa del Rey I think is brilliant like last year obviously living in Marbella Marbella um they got to they got to the round after this one and they played Valladolid, and they probably should have beat them. We went to extra time and penalties, but it was really cool last year seeing all the like lower league stadiums because they obviously get home advantage, I believe, in every in the first few rounds, and just seeing them full of life because there's some really cool stadium, um, like non-league stadiums in Spain. So um, I'm a big fan of it, and I suppose the only shame is, of course, that I'm guessing there'll be no fans in any of these any of these grounds, but. Um, yeah, you know. They're playing against uh, Yeda. Oh, that's right, yeah. Marbella and, um, and Rincon have got Alaves. Rincon de la Victoria. Yeah. That's that's like, you know, Malaga, we're not really cup fighters, but for Rincon, it's like really awesome that they that they are playing the the Copa del Rey. And yeah, it's like, oh, uh, re- really amazing. 
No, it's great. I love this new format and it's better than the two leg things they used to do or the two legged things they used to do where it's just over in one game now, which is yeah. it's far more fun, a bit more jeopardy. Here's a question for you and I think I've got the answer in my head. Can you name the team that knocked Malaga out last season at this round? Um, Escobedo. Yes, yeah. I think it's Escobedo. I couldn't remember if it's Bedo or Bado, but yes. Um, that was humiliating. Escobedo. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was when we were slowly starting to recover a little bit and then we endured that embarrassment. So um, hopefully no cup set this time and we can have a lovely time on the beach after the game because, as Alex said earlier, it's a very picturesque ground and it's picturesque. It's an amazing Yes, it comes from the beach. Malaga did some training there uh, before. Yeah. In 2013, 2012, yeah. They uh, had a week of uh, training in uh, in there. And mm-hmm. uh, they visited that ground and they trained there. There's a picture of, uh, I think it's Sergio Sanchez. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah. ho- hopefully a happy, because the, the thing that made me laugh about the photo I saw of the ground, which is the one I shared on Twitter earlier, was just how sunny it looked in Vigo, because I, I was under the impression Vigo's always just rainy and grey and like northern England. But so I was quite happy to see it looking sunny there. But um, yeah, should we, we'll, we'll move away from the news and we'll carry on with Malaga in the northern parts of Spain. And we'll go and look at what happened this past weekend against Ponferradina. Okay, so last Sunday we drew 1 1 against Ponferradina. Chris, you must be happy with Ponferradina being your second team, or what, that's what you declared them on last time's podcast. Um, so, are you happy with a draw? They're my <laughs> second team, but not my first team. So, no, I'm not happy. No, it's like um, I'm for ninety nine percent Malagista, and for open o point eight. Uh, 500 fan and uh, 0.2 I am uh, a Ponferradina fan okay that's that, so, that, no. that, that's more than I expected from you so um, I will say to really? our friend yeah yeah that, I'll say to our friend Chris Pidgeon that I think he's done very well to get 0.2% out of you so yeah, yeah. so 0.2% of me is very happy yeah and uh, yeah Definitely. Um, what I was very happy about before we go a little bit more pessimistic, I imagine, is we were back in the yellow shirts again. Um, uh, are we preferring the yellow shirt to the purple and green one yet, or is that just me? I know Alex, you're on a fan, are you? Not really. No. Um, it's it, it's the collar. They're still doing it for me. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the collar up later. Because I did, I did make a note. I seem to remember making a note of this when I was watching the game. But I'll come to my talk about the collar later. Let, let's get to the the team news first. So I, I don't think there was too many surprises to start with. Uh, Lomban was back in defence. Matos was back on um, as the sort of left wing back because uh, 
Ishmael was injured and we were back to the the goalkeeper rotation system. Chris, are you happy to have the goalkeeper rotation system back? No. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> Although he did he did a great job. He didn't he didn't make any mistakes but no. Yeah, actually I I I didn't think he did much wrong at all actually. I didn't he didn't jump out at me, but he certainly didn't let me down. Oh, you know, I didn't feel he let us down. Sorry, not not just me. Um, was there anything else in that starting eleven that surprised you? I, I thought it was quite what you know what to be expected at the moment. It looked. Okay. I thought it was fairly fairly normal. I think some of the changes, you know, obviously going into these games you can't have the same eleven, but I think keeping a fairly similar. 11 with formation, the same formation. In this case, it was obviously didn't work, but we're trying to get that rhythm going, hopefully. Yeah, the, the one that not so much on the team sheet that surprised me, but, and I, forgive me, I can't, I don't know if this changed in the game. I can't say I followed this throughout the whole game, but I know it's a Scassi seemed to be playing in the sort of like left of the back three system, which I thought was quite strange because Scassi is usually the one that plays in the middle and takes us up the pitch and Juan Day's usually out on the left. But I noticed it a few times and I, I I can't remember if it was like a permanent thing, but I thought that was quite odd. But anyway, um, what, what about this three at the back system still? Because I thought when we played Saturday the week before and I don't know, it, I seem to be in the minority of the three of us. I thought we played really well with two at the back in the second half, but we went back to a back three here. We... Are we happy sticking with that back three, or has has anyone got any preferences for three or two at the back? I would prefer two at the back. Yep. Any reason? Um, Yes, because I think we can could use another player on the midfield or up front. I would go for a four for two um, in a diamond. So. It would look like you have a, a third uh, central defender, but then he plays a bit more up front. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah, it. I get you. I get you. Um, what about you, Alex? Are you in the? Are you team three at the back or team two at the back? I'm leaning towards more team two at the back. I just think. If we're certain occasions, I've noticed we maybe try to catch the opposition offside. The five at the back just doesn't work with that, especially with our wing backs. They're just not switched on enough, and even not even our wing backs. Not just the wing backs, like the wingers as well. I was noticing some of the attacking players. There were certain occasions. I'll have a go at him later, but um, yes, I just think with the trying to with the type of defending we want to want to play and the the tactics we want to use, I think it would be better if we used four at the back and clearly five at the back hasn't worked too well because we haven't, we haven't got a win uh, against Pompadina. So I think, yeah, time for a change. I have a great explanation, Alec, uh, Alex, and especially Matt. Matt, listen up. If you have like um, 11 kilos and you have um, uh, a ball a ball and then uh, uh, wood wood on the ball and then you have to um, get the how do you call the point the um, balance the balance point 
There you go. Um, and what will happen if you put uh, six, six of six kilos of six of ten kilos? You put on the right side of the uh, of the wooden bar. What will happen? It would go down. It would lean to the right side. Yes. Well, I th I have the feeling that that's a bit what's happening every time you play like so defensive that most players are uh, at one side of the pitch, so you don't divide them right, so the balance is a bit gone. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm I'm very much an advocate for the as Alex said the four at the back with the two centre backs. I I'd still have uh, Lomban and Juande because. It's clearly not working if we've gone from having the best defence in the league, which admittedly for half of last season was with three at the back. But obviously it's not working at the moment or anymore. So I think we should go to at the back. And I think I've said before, especially if we're playing Calero and Matos, who I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I think Matos can get forward, but I'm sort of starting to question my own judgment there now I, I think they are more de suited for defensive duties and then you keep those four back and let the others run rip so to speak but um and we've got Luis Munoz who can seem to cover plenty of ground and do a bit of both and be a sort of go-between but um I, I feel we started quite negatively here so we'll let, let's get a you know a couple of positives out of the way to start with the goal uh, Chris, what, what did you think of that goal? Because I thought it was a great goal. It was a very great goal. I think it was a, a strong, a strong action of Chavaria, where he like really fought for the ball to keep it, and then uh, passed it very well to Vamani, who uh, didn't doubt and uh, put it in the far post. Yeah, who would, who would you credit most with the goal there, Alex? Do you think Ch Chavarria's strength was the the key part of it, or would you say Romani's finish? Well, I suppose Romani's finish was the yeah. goal, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I think uh, it, all, most of the credit should go to Chavarria for holding up the ball so well and keeping the defenders off, and then also laying the ball off for Romani. I felt like it would have been easy for him to maybe try and have a shot or you know, try and come out of the box and have a go again. But yeah, it was a wonderful hold-up play and it was a wonderful ball to Rahmani and a wonderful finish as well. Yeah, it's, like you said, I, I think Chavaria, um, Chavaria deserves most of the credit. But the goal itself, the finish, sorry, itself, I thought was, it looked really awkward. He seemed to adjust his body really quickly to like get his foot round it. I thought that was really cool. Um, not that I saw it the first time, actually, because... Um, my uh, my feed went out on my internet, so I heard the goal go in, but um, it the it had frozen. So the last thing I saw was the ball being lumped up the pitch, and then hearing goal Malaga or goal. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the goal, but I had to wait for the replay. Um, obviously, those two have got a bit of a connection going. They seem to be setting each other up. Um, oh, we uh, we could even say a French connection because. They were talking about their French link last week. Um, but also up front with them is San Piero, so certainly the other attacking threat alongside them. Alex, have you, have you made up any opinion of him yet? Because I'm still, I'm still not quite sure what he does, if I'm being honest. 
Yeah, well, I, I said I'd have a go at him later, and now he's later. So, <laughs> just it, it, in general, I think I haven't seen enough from him in attack. And in the 43rd minute, they had a chance, Pompeo had a chance, where the ball was crossed in, and four out of the back five, I think even five out of the back five, were on a good line playing the offside trap. But there was... Sampedio just sauntering back towards the to, towards the back line, playing three players on side where they could have got an easy goal. And I'm just thinking, what is he doing just standing there being so lackadaisical and not even bothering to get back? Chris, what about you? Have you, have you got an opinion, positive or negative? Because still me, I forgot that was him. But, but otherwise, I, I didn't really notice him do anything. Um... Well, I don't know. I, I what I've noticed. I'm not sure if you guys agree with me. Um, I see a growing line with him. He didn't play much last season at at HSV. Um, he is he's coming back from an injury that as well. Um, I can see him getting better every week. But what I also see is that he's um, not fit yet. He's he's a bit he's missing a bit of fitness, I think. Yeah, I I think a quite a few of our attacking players are a little bit like that because I, I I'm not sure about Hosebed who didn't play in this game at all, but I feel like the same with him. I think the only one of those sort of wingers we've signed really has been Rahman, who's shown he can do something. Um, but we'll come to our best player of the half. The woodwork. Um, they hit the woodwork three times. One of them for the one of them that chance you just talked about. I think Alex, but they hit a sort of I don't know. It was like a really good volley, actually, wasn't it? That hit the underside of the bar. Then there was that chance from close range, which sort of bobbled to the far post. And then they hit it with a a sort of twenty five yard free kick. Um, were we lucky to go in one nil at half time? And were Malaga actually any good in that first half, Alex? I think definitely lucky to go in uh, 1-0 up. I think definitely Bonfavina, if it weren't for, uh, I feel like if San Pedro had come up and joined the back line, then maybe they, you, know, you would have caught the attacker offside. So yeah, definitely lucky to go in 1-0 up. I think in terms of did we play well, I feel like we, we did enough to hold the to hold the lead, but there was a few chances, a few fouls that we gave away. Obviously, yeah, the hitting the woodwork and a few unnecessary chances that we gave away. So I think maybe, first of all, I think we are lucky to, to go in 1-0 up and I don't think we deserve to, actually. Yeah, I, I think you, you sort of got close to how I felt about it there, Alex. I, I sort of felt we, we could go in 1-0 up but I, I got a sense they were like creeping up on us and we needed to change something in the second half. Uh, what about you, Chris? That first half performance, was it one to get you excited or was it a worrying one? I thought it was fair. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might sound crazy what I'm going to say, but they hit the post three times, but I really didn't have the feeling that, that the 1-1 one, one is coming. I was more thinking... Uh, the the 2-0 was coming more than the 1-1. I thought we were the better ones, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I I thought we were the better team too, but there was a 
I don't know, there was just a sense that something wasn't quite right for me. And I agree with you, because I even think the ones which hit the woodwork, especially the free kick, like Soriano just sort of watched it. He didn't, he, it did hit the top of the bar. He didn't look too worried about it still. But um, yeah, there were just little hints, I thought. And then going into the second half, I thought it was quite a slow start from both teams. And again, I thought they were creeping up on us a little bit. But then... Um, Pelis's substitutions. Chris, you've probably been the more the most vocal Pelisier critic on here. What did you think about his sub- substitutions? Well, I'll just read them out really quickly. Uh, we had Christian come on for Romani, I think. And then we had Ben Kamasa come on for Ramon. That was the 65th minute. What, what do we think about that change? Did any one of you saw... Um... Uh, what's the name of the series? Shit, the, the best series ever. Uh, Game of Thrones. Of course. Yes. Yes? You know that point where uh, I forgot her name has to walk uh, through the city centre with... Uh, ah, yeah. Shane. Uh, yeah, Shane. <laughs> Shane. I, I think that's what Payser has to do this this whole week, every day. <laughs> From 9 till 5. Okay, do you want to elaborate on why you think Pelissier should walk naked through the streets of Malaga, having someone ring a bell behind him shouting shame? Sure. You, you take off the best player of the pitch and then replace him for Benke Massa. Uh, I think that's, that's very sad and stupid. Um, and then you take the second best player of the match and you take him off as well. And uh, then you change him for Christian, who isn't in great form. Okay. Um, Alex, do you have anything to disagree with there? Because I, I, I totally agree with Chris there. I thought uh, the substitutions were, whereas maybe in the 80th minute, I might have thought, well, those players are a bit more tired. I thought 65th minute. I agree too soon. with you. Yes. Yeah. If it was the 80th minute, it would be a different thing. Yeah, what about you then, Alex? How did you feel Palace's subs paid off or didn't pay off? Which obviously they didn't. Yeah, I think didn't is probably the, the right <laughs> yeah. way to go. About I don't know why I, I even suggested they Di- paid off. <laughs> uh, I think diabolical decision making is a, a sentence that I would use to to describe his his efforts with the substitutions. Ramon, especially. I mean, we'll come on to this later, but I think, yeah, as Chris said, one of the, the best players on the pitch at the time. And bringing on, bringing on Ben Kimasa, who I haven't been, I've been far from impressed from by so so far this season. And yeah, obviously we want to see Christian get more game time because, you know, he's shown signs of being a good player. But I think, why change it if it's working? And obviously, yeah, him, his decision to change the line up in terms of the back four which positions like you said Escassi on the left hand side and Juan Day moving about I feel like that was a good decision but in terms of the substitutions I think it was just you know shocking okay and then while we carry on the theme of shocking although actually I suppose it's not the theme of shocking because I actually thought Ponferradina's goal was quite good from you know if you're a Ponferradina fan like our friend Chris Pigeon um, I thought it was a nice ball into the box and a beautiful finish where, you know, Soriano was, you know, they could have been free of him. I don't think he would have saved that. It just sort of flew in the one side of the net, didn't it? Um, but, it was a great goal. So, you know, we've given them a bit of love 
But what could we say from a Malaga perspective? Because, again, for me, it's another cross they've scored from. Another team scoring from a cross. Set pieces we don't seem to be very good at defending, or certainly compared to last year. I, I don't really know what's gone wrong, because someone like Lomban was winning everything in that sort of area last year. And there have been games this year where he has, but I, I just can't quite put my finger on what's going wrong. I don't know if either of you can. No, I... I... I would say the changes, because up to the changes, nothing was going wrong. Ponferradina didn't create big chances. And then Benkemassa comes on the pitch, especially Benkemassa, and everything goes wrong. In, in, within three or four minutes, they score a goal. Yeah, well, what about you, Alex? Do you have any any explanation for this sort of how the defence sort of falls apart more than they used to? I think, I mean, I've got a few ideas on what's going on. I think generally the defence is capable of playing well. I think they're capable of keeping clean sheets. I think the movement of the, the back three, it worked. But I think, yeah, time to move to a back two. I think also something that's not helping is the midfield. They're not tracking back. If you look at the goal, I think Ben Kimasters is at fault for the first goal. If he tracked back rather than sauntering back, I think he could have got in and stopped the goal. But he's there just wandering back in the midfield, having a having a, a lovely time just sauntering about. Maybe Munoz as well, a bit further forward, so I think you can't blame him, him as much. But yeah, I'd, if I was to blame one player, I think Ben Kamasa could have stopped the goal quite quite well, and I think he just didn't. I think he was very lazy in his efforts to get back. And also, yeah, just generally, I think, I think the wing-backs with Matos and Calero, I haven't been impressed with them generally over the season. And it... It's been a case of laziness and lacking, like the marking's been very poor as well. And I think also the midfield can help out in defence and they just haven't. Yeah, um, I was going to say about Calero actually, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I get the impression that Calero, sorry, not Calero, I get the impression there's more goals coming from the left wing than the other wing. I was sort of thinking about goals. I've not double-checked this, but that's what it feels like to me. Anyway, and yeah, I'd agree with you with Ben Kamasa too, where um, for a player that's sort of got this reputation as being a bit destructive, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more shortly, he does seem to, that's the right word actually, Alex, he does saunter a lot. You never see him busting a gut to get back or anything. And even that time when he broke through on goal against, I can't remember when he almost scored a few weeks ago, even then it was at like slow motion almost, so... Yeah, actually, just before we go on to talk about Ben Kamasa a little bit more, I made a note of this from Malaga Oi, actually, where they said, describing Malaga so far this season, they hurt themselves more than their opponents can. And I thought that was quite a, a nice line to, to sum us up, where we make these silly mistakes at the moment. Um, let's get to him then. I think I said before the podcast, Chris, I'm looking forward to talking about Ben Kamasa today. Um, and you said, really? And I said, no. But I did say I did find him quite funny in a sort of I'm really peed off sort of way when he dived in. So Ben Kamasa got a red card. Do, do you want to talk me through it, Chris? And was it a red card? Was it a red card? It was uh, like a deep red. Okay. I, it's it's a stupid action. I I really can't explain it. I I want to talk you through it, but I just <laughs> I just really can't because I don't understand it. I don't. I, it's it's 
uh, yeah, if you want me to talk you through it, there uh, was a, cap- a not capable football player who shouldn't be in the Spanish football, uh, any Spanish football league, um, who made a foul that was unnecessary, basically. Yeah, there was sort of a a cannonball tackle, wasn't it? Um, what about you, Alex? Are you agreeing red card? Yeah, I definitely think it's a red card. I think it's just the rashness of the mm. challenge. It was unnecessary going in like that. When you're when you're going for a tackle and you're on the floor before the tackle's been made, you know it's going to be a, a red card or even like you know a very high chance that you're going to get sent off. And it's just, especially at the time of the game, it was it's just unnecessary because arguably we could have been hold, holding out for a point and just you know seeing the game off or maybe even getting that second goal, but. Yeah, just all round rashness, I think, from Benkemasa. Yeah, you, you have those those red cards, those fouls, of which you directly know it's a red card. You have the most of them you can doubt, well, was it really a red card? Uh, but this really was a red card. Yeah, because um, he was. you could see the way he was running. And actually, I was quite relieved in the end because, in a way... He was lucky he didn't catch the player that much because he sort of only he pretty much missed the player actually didn't he not you know or the player got out of the way but the more he was running at him the more I was like oh he's going to kill him if he hits him here and then luckily he didn't catch him but yeah I'd agree just for the rashness of it alone it was a a red card um, and then we got another red card uh, Chris we'll you know we'll go to you again since you've already said Palace here should be naked through the streets of Malaga. What, what did you make of his red card? Yeah, stupid. He was in a... You have that box, right? They they mark that hmm. that spot where the coach has to be. Yeah, um, the fourth official box he went in, didn't he? Yeah. What was he doing there? I don't know. It's unlike him I, as well. Neither, because there, 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 there wasn't really anything going on, a big, a big decision being made to... To uh, to complain about, so I don't really understand what he was doing there. Um, but worse, then he gets sent off by the uh, by the ref, uh, who is in his right basically because um, he shouldn't be in the in in the fourth officials box. And then after the match, well, we'll talk about that later. Go to Alex. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about um, the repercussions of this sending off. But as I was just going to say, it's really unpalace-like. And uh, like you said, Chris, there was no... Because it didn't seem to be the Ben Kamasa red card which triggered him off. He seemed to say it was lots of little decisions. And I don't know about you, Alex, but I, I didn't really think... I thought I didn't notice the ref that much, to be honest with you, which... I'd usually do in Spanish football, so I I don't know. Was there anything to complain about? I think even if there is something to complain about, a man of his age shouldn't be... He knows that if he goes outside of his technical area, he's going to get into trouble, he's going to get into bother, he may get sent off. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, have a wine and a moan when you go home and you're having dinner with a beard. Have a wine and a moan all you want there. Don't do it on the football pitch because then you're going to have repercussions that are going to affect the squad and the team in games to come. So you can do it on the football pitch, but yeah. do it from inside your box and without saying like really awful words. To be fair to him, he did say, I think in one of the interviews at the start of the week, 
he did sort of recognise that a little bit. You know, it's a bit late now, obviously, because the punishment is being put down. But um, he did say it was in the heat of the moment sort of thing. And he did sort of recognise that, a bit like you just said, Alex, you can have a whine and a moan. And he did say you can have a whine and a moan on the football pitch, but, you know, there is a respectful way to do it. And he, I, I don't think he apologised as much as such, but he sort of hinted he recognised he'd been a bit silly maybe. Um, yeah, because probably because he was worried about what was coming his way. But then, then the other thing I wanted to say is that there wasn't anything going on. So what I th- so what I think is that he might be angry with himself and yeah. reflected that on the ref because there wasn't anything going on. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, he was frustrated that maybe his. Um, you know, switches yeah. in tactics and subs. Yeah, that, that's a good point, actually, Chris, quite possibly. Um, you know, we all have our frustrating moments when we lash out to just being frustrated. So I don't. Of course, of course, you're a very sound and patient man. I'm perfect. Yes, and, and perfect, of course. Um, what wasn't perfect, Chris, was the result. So it was 1-1. One, one. Would you say it was a fair result? No. No? Yeah, it it is. But it shouldn't be. If those changes wouldn't have been made, those subs, then I think we would have won and it would be a good win, uh, an earned win. Okay, Alex, do you think 1-1 was fair? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, uh, did you say Malaga always rhetoric on um, we're, we're causing our own problems more than the opposition and in general, there's... I mean, I noted there was 18 fouls that we committed and quite a few of those fouls led to chances that could have uh, been a goal. And I think we, although we, we could have, we had the capability to score to it, I think we deserved a win. I think we just weren't good enough. Not in the case that we didn't, we didn't, we weren't good enough to score to. I just don't think we were good enough all round in terms of defensively and, you know, mentality wise, we just weren't with it on the, on the day. Okay, um, let's go into our Chumbo and Biznaga then. So we start with you, Alex. Uh, who are you giving your Chumbo to to start with? I'm going to give it to Matos. I think he just he he tried to help out in attack, but didn't really bring much to 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 help the midfield and the attack. And then in defence, just didn't really look like he was there. He looked out of place in quite a lot of positions. He was ruining the offside track quite a few times, standing in no man's land. And it, to be honest, if he wasn't on the pitch, I feel like there was quite a few chances where I would have been like, oh, we've defended well with 10 men there. So, yeah, I think without him, we would have played better. Initially, I, I wrote down Matos too. And then halfway through talking about this, I was like, oh, of course, it's got to be Ben Kamasa. So I, I see why you picked Matos. But I think, I think for, I'm going to use your word again, Alex. Uh, ben Kamasa's sauntering and then his attempted assault. Uh, that gives him the chumbo for me. Um, any differences there, Chris? Actually, I think I know who you're going to pick. I'm going to pick Ben Kamasa. Okay. Why? No, I thought I thought you ben might have gone. I might have gone Pelissé. I thought you might have just gone to attack him again. But no, Ben Kamasa. Why? Because who is Ben Kamasa? What does he do? Why is he in Malaga? Um, so that is, I think, if he gets two chumbos, can we call that a a Ben Kamasica? Yeah. yeah. Well, you can call his foul that, I think, anyway. Um, do you do you guys think he should be um, in uh, our team? 
Absolutely not. Well, not now. <laughs> no, no, not ever. No, but uh, when, uh, <laughs> Alex? I, I, there were certain times during the preseason that maybe, like Matt mentioned earlier, his sort of bulldogish mentality, especially losing Katie Barre in the midfield, maybe he could have added something there, but he hasn't proved it. So yeah, I think it's it's time to go. Yeah, I think we need a player like Ben Kamasa in that mode, but someone that is much better. And, you know, we've shown already that even with this really low salary cap, we can still find players on the cheap who are good enough for this league. And, yeah, I've not seen anything from Ben Kamasa to show. I think there was one game in post-lockdown where we did this podcast and we were like, wow, he was... But I think we were saying, wow, because he made a couple of nice passes. He didn't, like, maybe three or four passes, but, um, yeah. He's like, just... like we, we we really need a bank of Masha, but one who can play football. Yeah, like a Kaide Bari. For... Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Right, let's try and finish with a positive then. Uh, Alex, who are we going biznaga? I'm going to go with uh, Ramon. I feel like he acquired a lot of the fluidity in the midfield, ran through him, and I feel like the passes he made in the first half showed experience beyond his age, and his positioning was fantastic, and I couldn't fault him with many things, and I think, obviously, it was a shame that he, he ended up not getting the full 90 minutes, but yeah, I think Ramon's might be snagger for this game, or Jugador de Excelencia, I think they're calling it. Yeah, yeah they changed it. You can win a bottle of wine with it. All oh, right, okay. Um, well, okay, well, mine's going to be Ramon as well, and I don't think I need to add anything to what Alex said, really. I thought he was just, he kept us ticking over nicely, and I think it's no coincidence that we got even worse when he went off. So, yeah, I'm giving him the biznaga. Uh, Chris, to finish us off on this part. I already gave a hint um, when we talked about uh, the subs. Uh, but I'm going for the opposite of uh, Ben Kamasa. I'm trying to think who that is. Ramon? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think who. I was like, who's he talking about? But yes. Yeah, full house for Ramon. Yeah, well done him. Yeah. He's doing very, very good. And I'm pr- I think we've said on here already, he is certainly going to be the next name to go, probably, isn't he, to like a bigger club. He's very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is the Ponferradina section done and we shall try and look forward now to what comes up next and it comes in the form of Leganes. On to the last bit of this week's podcast and we are looking forward and looking forward this week means looking forward to Leganes or as they're nicknamed Los Pepineros. Uh, I'm guessing you guys know why they're called Los Pepineros or, or not? I don't actually know the story behind it. And do you, Chris? I, I have no idea. It's um, So for those that don't know, um, a pepino is a cucumber, so pepineros I'm guessing is like a cucumber grower i suppose because it usually means i make her doesn't it um but yeah that part of i think legan is well you know alex it, it's sort of is it south of madrid yeah it's sort of south southwest madrid I'd yeah. say, near, near okay yeah i thought it was down that way 
Um, but basically, it used to be like a agricultural area and obviously lots of farmland and they just grew cucumbers there and they would be sort of that's how madrid got its sort of vegetables i suppose i'm sure other parts of spain did too but yeah so um i suppose the first question is guys is obviously Leganes have super pepino um the mascot is he the best mascot in spain or is he just the best mascot in the world because for me he has to be one of the best mascots in the world um, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I never heard of him. Really? Oh, yeah, I did, sorry. Yeah, you know, he's dressed up as a superhero. He's a, he's a cucumber with a cape. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I, I remember him now. Yeah. He's, um, a spe- yeah, he's funny. Yeah, I, I think they did, really did a great job there. Yeah, I think that's a great marketing scheme. And, um, and you know, as someone that's a sort of, I, I always say I'm a vegetarian, but I do eat fish as a vegetarian. It's nice to see, um, a cucumber be celebrated, I suppose. Um, Alex, is is he your favourite m- mascot, or do you, do you have a a preferred mascot in football? I think probably out of novelty, he's probably my favourite. I think if I was being loyal, I'd pick the Jolly Green Giant, the Yeovil mascot, or the, the. I have actually a picture of me with the Yeovil mascot. So yeah, I think if I was being loyal, I'd pick the Yeovil one. But honestly, I think the Leganos one is my favourite. I'm glad you said about the picture as well, because um, on my ground hopping travels around Europe, if there is a mascot, it is a tradition that I try to have a photo with the mascot. I think my favourite is, um, I went to watch, oh my word, I always forget how to say it, or Chorzow, forgive me for my Polish there, but they have a really scary looking eagle called Adler the Eagle, and he looks like tough and stuff, and I had a photo with him and that's my favourite photo with mascots. Uh, Chris, do you have a favourite mascot? Um, yes, I do, but it's not a, a real, how do you call it, a football uh, mascot. Okay, that's okay. Go for it. Um, I have a few. Of one, I'm searching the name because I don't know his name, uh, but he's the Philadelphia, uh, the Phillies uh, mascot. Okay. He's green and furry and uh, he has a real funny nose. Uh, it's Mr. Matt, sorry. Mr. Matt? Uh, Mr. Matt. The Philly fanatic. M-E-T. Uh, he's a great mascot. And uh, the other one I really like, it's like Mr. Pepinillo, um, <laughs> is uh, Mr. Potato from Idaho. <laughs> Mr. Potato. Well, going down this route, people similar to um, Super Pepino, um, he did meet his his long lost brother i think they called him which was a basically there's i think they were a baseball team called the portland pickles and their mascot is dylan the pickle and he came to Leganes and they met up and there's lots of nice photos of them hugging and stuff um yeah it's just it was quite cute as far as pickles and cucumbers hugging can be cute i suppose um, of course, I've been a Swansea fan. We do have Cyril the Swan, who's the most notorious mascot in the football league. So I'm lucky there. The, my other favourite at the moment is um, Alex. I think you might have had more of a chance of seeing it. Have you seen West Brom's current mascot? Is that the the boiler box or whatever yeah, it is? I love the boiler box. It's just a, a walking boiler, which is bizarre. What? Yeah, yeah. It's just that I'll show you it's like a boiler you have in your house. Clearly, West Brom have got a um, a sponsorship deal with some boiler company, and there's just a 
a boiler walking around there. Okay, I'm changing my favourite mascot. <laughs> I'm seeing it now. <laughs> I did hear you typing straight away then to look at it. It is worth typing if you've not seen it. And I like the it's idea really cool. because obviously West Brom's like sort of chant is boing, boing. So sort of boing, boing, boiler. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's cucumbers. So clearly we don't know that much about Leganes because we're talking about mascots a lot. So I might try to make up for it with um, like lots of like cucumber based puns. So, you know, for example, it's not a big deal that we don't know much about Leganes. Anyway, there's the tumbleweed going past. Um, but Alex, interesting, before we talk about the game a bit, um, Malaga-Leganes is quite an important game to you. Do you want to explain why? Yes. So, unfortunately, because the timings of... A, well, I usually, uh, as I've explained before, I, I used to go out to... Well, I still do. I go out to Marbella every summer. And obviously, there aren't any games on in the summer apart from pre-season. So, I haven't had the opportunity up until 2016, where Malaga were playing Leganes in the October half-term, I believe it was, mm-hmm. which gave me the opportunity to come out to Malaga for the weekend. And we won 4-0 with goals from Johnny, Chori Castro, Sandro, and the recently retired Ignacio Camacho. Excellent stuff. So this is a a like a, a monumental fixture for you, but... Um... Going back to uh, Leganes, like the team at the moment, Chris, is, is this a team you expect to go up this season? Because I, I tipped them to win the league, actually, and you know I might have changed my mind now with Espanyol, but, I, but do you think this is a team that is going to get top two? Mm-hmm. Yes, because I think they're better than Mallorca, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> yeah, no... Um, yeah, a great team, really. I uh, I don't know. I don't like them very much, um, but they're playing great football. So yeah, definitely they're they're a favorite team to go back to uh, Primera División. Yeah, they were quite unlucky to go out of it actually, because that's actually one of the best games I watched um, during you know that time after lockdown was the Real Madrid v Leganes game, which I don't know if either of you remember, where Leganes had to beat Real Madrid to stay in the league, which was crazy because they were dead and buried weeks before. And they were drawing two all with Real Madrid and took it right to the wire and almost scored. And if they had, they would have stayed up and they would have, well, you know, there'd be no fans in the stadium, but I can imagine they would have been bedlam and... Yeah, they sort of they're a team that's got a lot of money too because obviously they've got they sold former Malaga striker Enesiri to Sevilla for twenty million euros, and then they sold Martin Braithwaite to um, Barcelona for eighteen million euros. Both against their will, actually, they sort of had to sell them. So they've still got a lot of money sort of stowed away in the bank. I think I saw their salary cap is around the forty million euro cap. Um, Alex, what about you? Do you think this is a team we're, we're going up against a team that's chasing automatic promotion here? Yes, definitely. I think out of, I mean, obviously recent form could be a good way to tell. I think they're unbeaten in three, two wins and a draw, and three wins out of their last five. And 
yeah, obviously having that money in the bank if they do need it come January, they can sign players. And obviously the the team that they've they've had from from last year. So I think they're definitely a promotion chasing. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on top two, but I definitely would will see them in the playoffs at least. And um, just in case there's any. Swansea City fans listening or actually I I was about to say this guy did play for Malaga too I always forget that but they do have um, Boya Baston who Swansea signed for £15 million at one point who was our record signing at the time Um, so they do have Boya Baston who was not great at Swansea did have a little bit of a comeback in the championship and had two great months before we got rid of him. But he did play at Malaga. I don't know if either of you remember him at Malaga because I looked and he didn't really do much there. Um, do you remember him, Chris? I remember him. He was awful <laughs> at Malaga. How was he at Swansea? Well, we signed him. He'd been at Ibar on loan from Atletico Madrid and he'd scored quite a lot of goals for Ibar. And obviously Ibar quite a tough, dogged team and he was the one getting the goals for them. So we thought he'd fit in at Swansea, but... Um, I do sympathise with him a little bit because he came in when he came in injured and then by the time he got fit again, Bob Bradley was our manager and, you know, that was not a happy time at Swansea. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him and then it was quite cool. He came back for a couple of months at the start of the championship season when we got relegated and he did win player of the month actually in, in the league, which was weird and then sort of faded away again. But yeah, he sort of, looked a bit cumbersome and, um, or should I say, as a Leganes striker, cucumbersome. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, he never really fitted in. So I don't know how he's done at Leganes, but I just thought it's always nice to have a, a name to look out for. Um, just going with what you said about recent form there, Alex, what I noted was quite interesting about Leganes is obviously they are up there in fourth, but they have lost the same amount of games as Malaga. So they've lost four games, including losing to Sabadeh, who, you know, are not the greatest team in this league. But they've only scored 11 goals as well, which obviously is only one more goal than we've scored. But they make up for it the other way. With They've only conceded eight goals, where I think we've conceded double that. So, um, you know, there's, they're not a free-scoring team. So there's a chance if we get a goal... We could possibly get a result, but you know, let's get a goal first. Um, hopefully, Ch- Chavaria and Romani can link up again. Um, going to Malaga, then is Palace going to be in the dugout for us, Chris? Or what's our update on the Palace situation? No, he's uh, two two uh, matches out. Okay, he has a ban for two two games. And sort of, do we know what the like? Why is he banned for two games? Is it what what was so bad about his red card? Because I I believe I heard mention that it could have been four games. Uh, it could have been four up from four up to twelve games even. Wow, I didn't know. Uh, why? Because he doubted the ref after the game. He went back to the pitch um, and then said he doubted. The uh, how you call it? The, the truth. He questioned yeah. his yeah. He questioned his honesty, basically, didn't he? Yeah, he He's... questioned the honesty of the ref, and that's um, in Spain. It can get can can give you a tw- four to twelve matches ban 
Yeah, I wrote, I wrote down what he said, actually. In his, I think this is in his press conference after the game. He said, I just hope they, I'm guessing he means the referee and team, tell the truth. Because the truth only has one way, and the lie has very short legs. I don't think I've translated that very well, but I sort of get what he means there. But yeah, he's basically questioning the ref's honesty. And I think there was something to do with the match report as well, that it took a little bit longer to be published or the referee's report, sorry, that it's supposed to be published in a certain amount of time and it wasn't. And I don't know if there was, I don't know, them saying that means they might have been changing something and trying to lie about something. I don't know that. I was, I just read that being mentioned. So Me neither. Um, so I don't want to say... Yes, to stop whining. Yeah, yeah. maybe once he's been marched through the city of Malaga naked, he'll he'll be calmer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, moving I have on. great news, by the way. I'll go for it. Because we have a player that re- did, that that returned from an uh, injury this week. Of course, yeah. Or t- today. And uh, I think it would be great to see him on the pitch. I, I don't believe we see, see him because he didn't play for the last three weeks. So he need, needs to get a little bit f- uh, fitness. Um, do you he has say, to get fitter. Do you want to say who the player is first? <laughs> Yes, it's Matt Harrison. <laughs> okay. No, it's Kai Quintana. <laughs> that is good news. Um, actually, actually I, I did hurt my leg last week and I run 10k last night and it's fine. So I am back to match fitness if, if I am needed. I've not played much football in the past six months, but I'm, I'm fighting ready to go. But yeah, Kai Quintana is a, a much better option than Matt Harrison. So I'm glad this year he's back. What about... Um, Hicham, any update on Hicham? It seems we've gone quiet there. Is he out for long term or? Yes, he, uh, he's missing since the start of the season. Uh, I have no update on him yeah. yet. I had a look. Uh, I couldn't see anything. I looked. I couldn't see anything. He, he. Um, am I right in saying is Hicham that came on in the game, wasn't it? And he, um, he like got injured straight away, if I remember rightly. It was towards the start of the season, wasn't it? But um, no, I think he. See, I think we miss him a lot. I think he would be great alongside Chavaria, running, flying past him, and I, I really like him. So I hope he's back soon. Um, and the other one is Ishmael. Ishmael's getting a bit closer to coming back. I don't know if you saw. Did you see? Well, I think he is match fit. If I'm right in saying, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. back already. Yeah, and then he got. Um... He got injured again. Yeah, um, he, he said part of the reason, um, I don't know if he said this or Pellissier or the coaching staff have said this to him, but they think the reason he keeps getting injured is because when he's coming back from injury, he's going into games full throttle, basically, and full of aggression. And that's, um, he needs to control his aggression more to stop himself getting injured, which I thought was... Quite an unusual thing to hear a player say, but suppose it makes sense. Um, I think that that were the words of a Peggy share. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't know what to think about that. I think it was Ishmael in an interview repeating the words of Pelissa is how I understood it. But um, I can see his point though. He's a young player. He's still got a long career ahead of him. You know, if if there is a knock, well, I suppose if he does have a knock. He shouldn't play, really, should he? If he can't go full throttle in a game, I guess, then he shouldn't be playing in the first place because I suppose we need all our players playing at uh, full throttle, to keep using that term. Um, 
but yeah, I don't really think that uh, one other thing I wanted to mention just really quickly before we perhaps wrap things up here. Um, did you see the interview on Sport Direct Radio today with Paco Hemmers? He reviewed. Um, yes, I believe it was yesterday oh, okay. on Port Pelotas, the okay. night show of Borja, Borja Randa, who is a great guy. Excellent stuff. Did of you see? Sport Direct from uh, Madrid. And obviously, I think I spoke about Paco Hermes a little bit on here before when we were talking about Rayo Vallecano, and he's a very interesting manager and, you know, really interesting philosophy on football. But he, talk, he talked about Josebed, who played for him at uh, Rayo Vallecano, and he sort of said um, how brilliant Josebed was, and he's a Primera player, and he'd like yeah. to see him back. So I don't, I don't know if either of you would like to see him in a starting eleven for this game because he's not played this week. I, I would like to see him, um, and as well, what I like to say because um, if if you if for people who speak Spanish, for you, Matt, who's learning, who you're learning Spanish, uh, um, you should listen to uh, Port Pelotas because um, the host is uh, Borja Randa, and he has a great football show. The guy knows a lot about football. Uh, Borja Randa lives in Madrid, is from Madrid. He's a great guy. Uh, a great program on Sport Direct. Excellent, and and the Madrid bit helps because I I love Andalusia and I love the Andalus accent, but it's it's not very helpful for learning Spanish. It's just it's too fast. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I have uh, one more update. Go for it. I'm I'm quicker than the than the light. Um, it's about Hicham. Okay. Today he was at the gym. Good stuff. Uh, yes, but they think uh, the club said last week, or they thought last week that it would going to take a long time before he's back on the pitch. But at least he's at the gym. Excellent stuff, Alex. Is there anything you want to say about this Leganes game, or you know any players you would particularly like to see come in, or anything you would change in particular? Yeah, I think. Looking at the defence firstly, I think, well, starting from the back, I think I've been relatively impressed with Soriano in the recent, well, especially against Bonfair. I don't think there was much that he did wrong. Couldn't fault him for the goal. So I think I'd like to see him get another game. I think yes. maybe a move to two, two in the centre, the centre-back positions rather than three. So four at the back and then, like Chris said earlier, a 4 4 I think would work quite well. I think also something Malaga should look to is I think what they've been lacking is maybe a little bit of width and attack, I think. Playing with uh, Jairo Samperio and uh, Yanis Rahmani just behind Chavaria in that sort of number 10 role, I think both of them being in in that sort of attacking midfielder role doesn't really work. I feel like we need to have more width. And we've, I mean, we've seen it happen in, in, in our defence. We're very bad at defending crosses. So it can't I think it's more of a segunda thing. I think the more crosses you get in, I know this is the case in English football, low league football, the more crosses you get in, the more chances you're going to get. So I'd like to see more width added to our attacking play. And I think hopefully in the future when Hicham comes back, I think he'll help to add to that. Yeah. We uh, still have uh, Joaquin who could play mm-hmm. next week. Yeah, he played the last 10 minutes 
against Pardon yeah. Ferradino. He looked he looked really nervous, I thought. I'm not saying and that's not really criticizing him because he's obviously been injured and I'm not expecting him to be great, but I just noticed he looked nervous. But Matt, what would you do when oh. when everybody knows you're you're from Swansea? <laughs> um, um, they call you, you get a contract at Swansea, you are injured. Um, yeah. but then comes the day you can play for the first time for the team of your life, for the Black Swan. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. You like I said, I wasn't a criticism. You put your shirt on. I would be nervous as well. Oh, I yeah. I would be shitting my pants. But I think some players are quite good at hiding it, and I, I didn't think he was. Not that, Again, not that that's a bad thing. Sometimes nerves are good. Maybe maybe he just realised he was getting on a pitch with Ben Kamasa, and he thought, oh, no, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, just before we finish off then, um, Chris, am I going to be drinking Pacharan this weekend? Am I, you know, a point, a win, or am I not going to be drinking it at all? Uh, well, um, I think whole Malaga is expecting you uh, to drink Pacharan because it really became a thing. So, um, do you want it's, me... It's an... Go on. Everybody in Malaga is, is, is wanting <laughs> you to drink Pacharan in the weekend. Excellent stuff. Um, Alex, do, do you have any strong thoughts? Do you think win, draw, lose? I'm going to be quite pessimistic and think. I think this weekend will be a patternless weekend, oh, okay. uh, a step towards a, a sober Saturday. Okay, well, it, it might be actually, because I'll, I'll tell you what went on behind the scenes after my patcheran video on Sunday. Um, I had another patcheran after because it was jolly nice. And then I thought, I put it in the fridge and it's got like a, a weird, what do you call it? Like a drip top, I think you call it, where it like drips out. So I put it in the fridge. Hours later, went to get something out of the fridge. All the patcheran had spilt over my fridge. <laughs> so I was there for... Did the bottle crack? Pardon? Did the bottle... No, uh... I, didn't, I didn't put the lid on it, basically. It looks like there's a lid on it. But I, the lid was on the table outside, so um, I put it in the fridge without putting the top back on it. Um, there's about a quarter of it left, and it was pretty much a full bottle. So, um, yeah, I spent about 15 minutes cleaning Pacharan out of my fridge and on the floor. And I can tell you, spilt Pacharan is very smelly and very sticky. So uh, my advice for you Pacharan drinkers out there is, you know, make sure you put the lid on it once you've finished. I know that's just common sense, but, um, and yeah, it was just messy. I, I, I really love the comments um, on the video of your oh. Pacharan. Okay. I, I don't know if I read them all, but thank you for your interactions. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were, um, I, I can read them for you. Okay, really quickly. <laughs> it wasn't that much. I think it was one or two. Okay. Uh, here they are. Uh, El Rumba said, "Tu si que sabes, abrazo campeón." Do you understand it? Um, say it again. So something. Our say it again. He says, "You understand it." Uh, a hug. Oh yeah, a hug to, to our champion. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I, uh, well I thought done, my friend. Like you say, a point is a point. Good <laughs> to start that tradition over here, Aloha. <laughs> that's very great yeah that's a guy he lives in Hawaii oh wow <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. that that's pretty cool um, that's pretty cool that is the Patreon uh, gospel yeah felt we could 
I've taken all three, but points are points. <laughs> and then there are two Spanish ones. Um, uh, and one is <laughs> is very funny. Uh, Ivan, who said, Espero que no haya una piscina debajo. Um, I hope that he doesn't fall over or something like that. Uh, no. No, that's it. I didn't. Ho hope. I, th uh, yeah. I, I hope he doesn't fall off the balcony. Uh, no. Oh, I don't. It's more like I expect okay. that there's no swimming pool uh, underneath it. Oh, there is. <laughs> okay. So if I go over. But the other one I can't read again. Okay. Um, but we'll but that. So 50 likes people are... Uh, Waiting for this tradition to uh, okay. continue this weekend. Okay, well, I probably need to buy a new bottle then. Um, oh, and just quickly, last point, because we do need to finish here. But I did get a message off our friend Alex Fitzpatrick of the Mallorca podcast. Never guess what he got given as a gift. Uh, a bottle of Pacharan because of his podcast. So he messaged me to say he's never had it before. So it's made its way to Mallorca as well. Um, Who gave it to him? I don't know. He just said as a gift. So I don't know if he meant for, because they saw that his podcast was called Points Mean Pacharan as he was sort of mocking us with Mallorca winning. I, I don't know. But he got given Pacharan. So I messaged awesome. him back saying podcast means Pacharan. Wow. And anyway, on that sticky alcoholic ending <laughs> that's not very good at all but anyway um on that bombshell we shall finish up alex thank you for joining us as always thank you very much for having me and thank you chris thank you man right i am off to watch wales play finland now on this wednesday evening thank you for listening to the giri cast on sport direct radio adios and vamos malaga Vamos Malaga. Vamos, vamos. vamos.